Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Cass, and the LMU Lions are red hot, so it's the perfect time to follow along with the LMU Lions here in the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, and the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Welcome into the show, everybody. Once again, I'm your host, Jesse Cass, and as always, very excited to have you along for another episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. As mentioned just a moment ago, the LMU Lions, red hot. They've won their last three games to close out the regular season, and if you were with us last week, you know the West Coast Conference standings were so tight really all year long. Uh, So many scenarios going into the final week for the Lions, but we did say last week if LMU were to win their final two games they'd be in a great position to finish within the top five of the conference that's exactly what they did and that's exactly what happened LMU finishes fifth in the WCC they pick up wins 19 and 20 to close out the regular season a 20 and 10 campaign eight and eight in the West Coast Conference just the second 20 win season since 1990 their first since 2012 uh, the 2011-12 season so Really quite an accomplishment for the Lions, and we're going to break it all down for you as we like to do here on the Believe Podcast Network. We mentioned going into the week, LMU could have finished anywhere from 5th all the way down to 8th, but the Lions took care of business with two intense, rousing victories, the first of which was at home this past Thursday against the Santa Clara Broncos. LMU in their senior night for their three seniors, James Bateman, Jeffrey McClendon, and Peter Herman. And it did not get off to the start that the Lions would have liked. They fell behind early. Santa Clara was red hot from downtown. Taj, Edie, and Josip Vronkic really putting on a show, getting to the free throw line as well. Lions were down 48-31 to at the half. They let Santa Clara hit the first three-pointer to start the second half. They were down 51-31, to a 20-point deficit with about 18 minutes to go. But the Lions clawed their way back into the ball game. And they did it with their usual defensive intensity, really getting into Santa Clara after Santa Clara was so hot in the first half of that ball game from downtown where they hit seven of their three-pointers. They hit just two in the second half, and they ended up going nine for 24 after really raining down from three-point range in the first half. LMU aggressively, despite hitting no three-pointers, 0 for 9 in the game, they attacked the paint and they attacked inside. They were able to use that aggression to get to the free throw line. They got 37 free throw attempts, connecting on 30, 81% for the Lions, and really just such a nice thing to see. They've had a couple of games this year where the free throw shooting was their Achilles heel. They've had other games where it's gone really well, but really leading up to the end of the season, that free throw disparity and percentage has gone up for the Lions, 81% in the win against Santa Clara. That was a theme again in their finale against San Francisco, but uh, what a win for the Lions on senior night. As mentioned, they were down 20, came back to win, hit some go-ahead free throws. James Bateman on his senior night had 23 points in the victory. It was really just a, a fantastic win for the Lions, an emotional one. James Bateman in our post-game interview uh, got a little bit emotional just thinking about it being his last game in Gerson Pavilion and 
what his LMU career has meant to him, but just such an impressive performance from not only Bateman, but really players up and down the lineup. Damian Douglas, the freshman who's been so impressive all year long. Zafir Williams, uh, Peter Herman, the senior. Jeffrey McClendon, who had four steals. Really everyone contributed, and that carried over in the game against San Francisco on Saturday. On the road, a Don's team in their senior night uh, with a couple of really good seniors as well, and Frankie Ferrari and Nate Renfro and Matt McCarthy. But LMU controlled the game. It was a close game. Lions did lead by as much as 10, but they held off every single San Francisco charge. There was a, there was a couple times where the Dons ended up taking the lead by one, uh, but each time the Lions responded, and again, free throws were, were a factor. Instead of the 37 attempts, the Lions in this game had just uh, 22 attempts, but they were able to cap make 27 rather, but they made 22 to the tune of again, a little over 81% for the Lions. And again, team effort. Bateman led the way as usual with 19 points, but Eli Scott, huge adding with 15. Again, Zafir Williams and Damian Douglas, Peter Herman, all huge. And Eric Johansson played just five minutes, but he nailed the go-ahead three-pointer with about two minutes to go in a tie game. His one shot attempt of the of the day a three-pointer, and it was the go-ahead shot. So it just shows the professionalism for him, how he's always ready, a big shot, and it helped the Lions hold off the Dons 74-69. to So Elmi took care of their business and didn't have to worry about scoreboard watching or anything else. With both of their wins, as you mentioned, they were guaranteed either seed five or six. And with San Diego losing on the road at BYU, that cemented it the fifth seed for the Lions. So what does that mean for LMU going forward into the tournament? Most importantly, it means they do not have to play this upcoming Thursday. They get that initial first round bye and avoid that 7-10 and 8-9 matchup. They get that extra day for rest, get to see and scout their opponent, and they will play the winner of the 8 seed versus the 9 seed, which will be the winner of Pacific and Pepperdine. LMU versus both teams did pretty well this season. They went 1-1 one one against Pepperdine, losing the very first conference game and then beating them a few weeks later. Both teams won on their home floor. And Pacific, the Lions are able to beat Pacific in both ball games, really controlling both games pretty much throughout. At home for Pacific, they made a run late, but LMU was able to secure both of those victories. So while any matchup in the conference tournament is going to be tough, LMU, having won their last three ball games, getting to that 20-win plateau, they have to be confident going forward, uh, knowing that they're going to be ready and rested for their opponent who will be coming off a back-to-back. And looking at their side of the bracket as the fifth seed, you know, you don't want to get too far ahead because the Lions, of course, it's a one-and-done scenario. you got to take it one game at a time. Uh, but for the Lions, if they are able to win on that Friday night versus either Pacific or Pepperdine, they will have a quick rematch with the four-seed San Francisco Dons, who, of course, will be hungry for some revenge after the Lions beat them on their home floor just a few days ago. Uh, if the Lions are able to win that one, they'd advance to Monday in the semifinals and have a date with the number one team in the country, and of course, the number one team in the WCC, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And if you follow along with LMU basketball, you know the last time they played, LMU went down to the wire with the Bulldogs. So they certainly won't be afraid of Gonzaga. Uh, they, of course, respect them and what they do. But uh, they and everyone else in the conference knows if you want to win the conference championship, it's going to go through Gonzaga. So uh, no avoiding that. Lions would have to face them in the semifinals if they were, were able to overcome that giant mountain that is Gonzaga, then the championship game could be any number of teams on the other side of the bracket. You have St. Mary's, BYU, Santa Clara, San Diego, and Portland. So any one of those teams could make it through there 
with St. Mary's and BYU as the, the favorites to come out of that side of the bracket. But LMU took care of their business this past week, ended up finish off, finishing off what has been a fantastic year. Of course, wins over Georgetown, UNLV, San Francisco most recently. Uh, I mean, it's it's been a great season for the Lions, and 20 wins really puts an exclamation point on it. And for the Lions who have bigger goals in the postgame interview against the after the win against Santa Clara, James Bateman uh, saying the team, their goal was to win the conference tournament. Eli Scott in the postgame interview after San Francisco echoed those same sentiments. So their goal is to win the West Coast Conference tournament and try to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, this 20-win team has bigger aspirations and you know wouldn't put it past them. They're a great group of guys. They work really hard. And it's been an extremely fun season, regardless of what happens this upcoming week. But uh, we'll give you all those times and everything at the end of the show. Right now, I want to get you our conversation with LMU assistant coach Jeff Strom, who was very gracious enough to be our guest on this week's show. Talked to him actually just a few days before the matchups against Santa Clara and San Francisco. But we're able to talk to him about his long and extensive coaching career. He's coached uh, in a couple of Final Fours. He's coached many NBA players, including Dwayne Wade and some others, we talk about that. His relationship with former head coach, uh, the late Rick, the late Rick Majerus. His relationship with Mike Dunlap and how that led to his position at LMU. So many great things we talk about with Jeff Strom. So I want to get that to you right now. Conversation with LMU assistant coach Jeff Strom here in the LMU Basketball Podcast. Now joined here on the LMU Basketball Podcast with LMU assistant coach Jeff Strom. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time to, to be on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we'll start with this year's team since we, we obviously know each other from, you know, you working with the team and me traveling with you guys. It's been a, a really successful season to this point uh, while we're recording this, uh, going into the final week of the season. Um, 18 wins at this point could be more as we air this episode. But what's been the key to the success for this team uh, in the turnaround from last year to this year? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, the ESPN uh, uh, announcer probably said it best, Jay Billis, who's good friends with Coach and I, and he spoke to our guys, and he said, you know, they had to do it when he played. And sometimes you have to lose and go through a losing year to win, you know. And I think the fruits of this – was planted last year, but I also think it was planted, you know, three years ago when Coach took the program over and started to restore this thing. And so, you know, I think this year you've just seen the fruits of your labor, you know, in victories, and it's been great. The guys worked their tails off all last year and uh, and really finished the year in a great note, in a strong, strong note. And then obviously all summer, the work ethic, the trip to Australia and all that just keeps building, you know, upon each other. and led to uh, what's been a good year and has potential to be a tremendous year and so we're excited yeah and how gratifying is that for you as a coach just for you know there's so many different ways that a team can win but building it from a team that kind of had to learn and go through the lumps as you said and then come out on the other side and really have a successful year yeah no you know that's why you coach I mean you coach to see the players each individually get better and then to be see them give of themselves for one cause and one group and that's what this group has learned to do and that's the joy you know the joy is to see them after the you know whether it be Georgetown whether it be you pick out any of the wins and see the excitement and the smiles and see just the satisfaction of hey we've worked hard and hey you know what we're pretty good and so that's why you coach and obviously that's part of the relationship but it's fun to see. Yeah, and this team has a an all-conference level player in James Bateman. He just eclipsed a thousand points uh, in just under two seasons. Uh, he was at a, a really small community college in North Dakota, North Dakota, North Dakota State College of the Sciences. 
Um, did you guys know when you found him that he could be this successful on this level? And, and how did you guys find him from that spot? Yeah, no, we didn't. I mean, for you know, any good, really good player turns out great. Very seldom do you know they're going to be as good as they are. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, full credit to him goes to Coach Dunlap, and then it goes with Coach Clark. I mean, they found him. Uh, then we did our due diligence, our research, and we brought him in for a visit. And then, uh, as a staff, agreed that he was the, the guy we wanted. And then, no, he's been much better than advertised. You know, he played for a former player of mine in AAU ball, and he's just the thing I always tell people: as good as he's been as a player, he's a better person. Yeah, and no question. And I think that's part of it. You know, he's he's kind of an epitome of what our program is. I mean, James. You know, he grew up working in a factory. He knows what a 12-hour day in a factory is. He knows what it is to grind and to work. And, you know, he's came here and he's done that. He's been coachable and he's just grinded out. And, you know, he's he's played as good as many people in the country. And, he just, and he's still getting better right now. That's the exciting thing. And to yeah. get 1,000 points in two years, you know, I'm, I'm getting older now and I've been doing it for a long time. That's pretty special, you know. And, and uh it's been great, you know. We celebrated. I don't know if you read or saw. We celebrated it, and unfortunately, I think I you were part of that, I right? Was, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't think I would be, but yeah, no. We celebrated it, and, and we do a, a great family tradition where, on their birthdays and special occasions, they get a pie, whoever they want. It's literally a pie in the face, and you can probably see on Twitter. Unfortunately, he picked me, and so yeah. So we, it was great, and we're so proud of him, you know. And it, it was special last weekend, uh, two weekends ago. He had over twenty family members here. Yeah, you know, which tells you number one what type of person he is because it's sure not cheap to fly 20 family members from Milwaukee out here and to see them together was special and a bunch of them are coming out for senior night tomorrow night and you know and I think when the history of LMU is you get you know five ten years down the road people are going to remember that he's the one who really started getting this thing going yeah and well hopefully that pie tasted good yeah you know, well the, the face full of pie but. it was worth it for him <laughs> to get a thousand I said it was worth it so yeah and you mentioned senior night you got a couple other seniors on this team and uh, Jeffrey McClendon and Peter Herman obviously bringing different things to the table, but um, what have they meant to the program in their time here? Yeah, I mean, you think about it, they were some of Coach uh, Dunlap's first recruits. You know, I wasn't here at that time, but they were one of his first, and, you know, first, Peter's been here five years. You yeah. know, you do anything in life for five years, that's pretty special, and he's played through injuries, through pain, through surgeries. I mean, you know, it's a testimony to him, a testimony to Coach sticking with him, and just great, and, you know, Jeff, uh, you know, he's going to be, I think, the first member of his family to graduate which is big time. His GPA has went from low to where he's over three, which is what a great testimony to him. And, you know, he's the epitome of hard work, taking a charge defensively, all those things. And so to have those two along with James, that's a pretty strong senior group. And so we hope a lot of people will come out. I think they will and just recognize them because they deserve it. You know, number, number one, number two, it's just a special night for them. Senior nights are always emotional for everybody involved, especially because you just know, you know, to do something for four or five years is hard and to grind yeah, no and to work and to build. And what they've done here, you know, they, they've left their legacy, which is a really good legacy. Yeah, and by the time this episode is up, you guys will have finished that senior night and this last regular season weekend. Uh, we know a lot in terms of the standings can fluctuate in between that time. But regardless, what, what's the team's goals going into the conference tournament uh, the upcoming week and potentially, uh, you know, postseason following that? Right. You know, I think it's, it's, it's no different than we've talked from the start of the year. You build everything to the head of the needle and you build towards your conference tournament. And then you're going to conference tournament is first to win one game because if you don't win one game you're out yeah. and so then you win the first one and then that leads to and you win the whole thing you know and uh, 
I think our kids believe we can. I know our coaches staff do, and you get a staff and a group of players believing you can do a lot of things. I like our momentum heading into it, and then um, and then after that postseason play, which it's been a long time here, and, and it'll be exciting I think, for everybody. We're going to be somewhere we deserve to be. Yeah, you know, I mean, we just do, and our body of work shows that. And so, you know, now the the future is determined by us, and that's what you want in life. For the next week, we, week and a half, we need to determine where we're going postseason, and so it's going to be fun to see. Yeah, no, definitely exciting, and as you said, a long time coming. So it's been it's been a great year so far. I want to go into a little bit of of just your basketball history. You've been all over the map in terms of your coaching career. Just what sparked first your, your love of basketball and wanting to become a coach? Yeah, you know, I grew up I grew up in the Midwest in a little small country bumpkin. Had incredible family, six older brothers. I had parents that were married 54 years, and we grew up on a farm. My dad taught you farm. You know, you, 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 know, you learned to get up at 5.36 and work. Yeah. You know, and within that, my brothers and I learned to fall in love with sports. You know, and I, you know, why I don't know. I told my kindergarten teacher I'd be a college basketball coach. <laughs> so you knew I, right away. Well, I did, and I, you know, it was always kind of fun with my brothers. I was always the one who kind of organized the games and the play. But I always say, and I always tell people the power of, of your words. That lady, and she's still a dear lady. I, I, I go and see her, and I go home almost every time when I can. But she didn't laugh at me. And I grew up in a small country town where that just doesn't happen. You know, a kid going to college basketball. And I'll never forget, she didn't laugh. And so she probably fueled my dream right then. And then just all through, I played every sport I could, played as long as I could, wasn't that talented, just knew how to work at and I just knew I'd coach. And then, you know, I got very lucky. Uh, you know, I entered coaching junior college ranks, and then I went to my first Division One job 25-plus years ago at Northern Illinois. We rebuilt it. There I met some people and just got lucky, stumbled into a relationship. Next thing you know, I'm working for a guy named Coach Rick Majerus, you know, yeah. everybody knows we're playing for a national championship. And I can still remember sitting on that bench at the end when we knew it was over and we weren't going to win it. I literally took about two minutes. There was like a two minute and 50 seconds. I can still remember the clock and took a deep breath and realized how lucky I was. Like a small country bumpkin sitting <laughs> at the bench on the final four. And then after that, I was fortunate to go to Marquette. We had great players there, played in the final four with Dwayne Wade, Travis Diener, Novak, all those kids. And so. I've been lucky. I was able to spend time with the Spurs. I was able to spend time with many NBA people. I mean, I'm, I'm cheating life every day. <laughs> uh, you know, I have no ability. Um, and but one thing I did learn was, my dad taught me that. He said, "You got two ears. Listen a lot and keep your big mouth shut." Yeah. And that's what I've tried to do. And just been very, very fortunate to coach a lot of young men. And it seems like coaching in particular is one of those professions where those connections are, are so important. You mentioned you met a couple of people that kind of lined you up to be at specific jobs. How important is that in the coaching? Profession. Oh, you know, I think it's huge in, in, in life. I mean, it's relationships, you know. Yeah. You, and you got to get lucky and you got to have some faith and God's got to bless you somewhere. There's no doubt he did me. Um, but you, there was relationships are key because they open a door that you could, you know, my relationship. As a matter of fact, with Coach Dunlap, I met him 20-plus years ago, a legendary coach named Don Meyer. I'm walking. And we're at the Final Four in San Antonio. I'm walking to go to breakfast, and I run into him, and he goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm going to breakfast. He goes, no, you're not. You're going with me. And next thing I know, I'm in a three-hour discussion with him and Coach Dunlap. <laughs> and 20-some years later, that's been a relationship, a mentor, a friend through all that, and I'm working for him. And so, yeah, so relationships drives everything. Oh, yeah, you kind of answered one of my, my later on questions, but just, yeah, what led you here to LMU and just your interest in the program and coming here from some other programs they, that you were at? Yeah, you know, it was funny, uh, LMU, the campus, actually, I was on here numerous times, used to recruit here a lot, used to, I went to Pete Newell, ran a big man camp here, I'll never mm -hmm. forget, I came to, that was the first time I ever came here, and I've, and then used to come here recruiting all the time, and, uh, and then we played here, 
when I was at um, uh, Utah, actually, our Final Four year. And uh, so, I, obviously, LMU knew a lot about it. Obviously, respect to know how great it is academically. You know, obviously, the campus is gorgeous, beautiful. And just, I can still remember back in mind when, when we were playing here, Coach Majerus and I talking, he goes, he goes, yeah, this would be a great place to coach someday. Because he said it's got so much going for it. Yeah. And uh, and then how I got Coach Dunlap, you know, like I said, we met 20-some years ago. I was the lucky benefit. And what I love about him is so many things. I could list them all. But, he, you know, he became a mentor in that when you ask him things, he doesn't just give you a standard answer. And he provokes thoughts in your mind. Mm -hmm. And so, really, over the last 20-some years, I never – he was one of the guys I always called when I was going to make a big decision in my life. And so that just kind of happened. And then um, – through the years, I always just told him, if you ever had an opening or some times we talked about it, it didn't work out due to family or due to whatever. And then uh, literally he called me and I was lucky enough. It was, timing was great and lucky to be here. Yeah, well, we're obviously lucky to have you here. And uh, you mentioned you've had so many years, as you mentioned, over 25 years of, of coaching experience. And you kind of alluded to some of the success that you've been able to be a part of going to the Final Four. Uh, you've also been a part of just recruiting and coaching a lot of NBA talent or future NBA talent. Uh, you mentioned at Utah, there was you know Keith Van Horn and Andre Miller, Marquette with Dwayne Wade, uh, Western Kentucky with Courtney Lee. I mean, the list goes on and on. But just from from your vantage point, recruiting, coaching, what what were those relationships like, and how do they develop? Right. Well, the one thing I always tell people because they always say you know you had like and we had Andrew Boga, we had Andre yeah, Miller, course, we had all yeah. those kids. But when you recruit them, you know, like give you an example. Andrew Bogut, we were the only one to recruit him at the original. Somebody called me, next thing you know, a week later I'm on my trip to Australia, but bum, and we, I mean, it's an incredible story. It takes forever to tell, but, you know, he, was, he wasn't the Andrew Bogut of that. He was just Andrew Bogut, another kid you're recruiting. Yeah. You know, Dwayne Wade was the 10th man on his AAU team. You know, uh, Michael Doliak, who played for uh, when we went and saw him, he didn't even get in the game. Yeah. You know, uh, and so, I mean, you go through the list. Jeremy Evans was a kid, like, nobody knew about it, ended up being a slam dunk contest. And so, you know, even like Dwayne, like our kids, he spoke to our kids last year, and they were like, you know, Coach, how was Dwayne? Well, Dwayne was, I said, he's just like you. He was another six, player. Yeah. Six three kid. I yeah. said, you know, some days you had to push him, some days you didn't. You like to be in the gym with him, and, you know, so on and so forth. So those relationships, it's been fun. You know, like I still laugh. I mean, Dwayne's a man, you know, and I call him a kid. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, he's a good kid, you know, and people laugh. But... You know, they, they're young people that, you know, he was no different, you know, school wasn't easy, you know, he actually had a child and was married, so he had to deal with that, and, you know, they all have issues, and they're just kids, you yeah. know, and uh, then you watch them grow, and you get a coach with them, you sweat with them, you bleed with them, you, you know, you sometimes push them, they make, you make them mad, they make you <laughs> mad, you know, and it's part of the fun of the relationship, you know, and like, like right now, you know, Anthony Winchester's on our staff, and Anthony, I coached him, you know, yeah. And he'll tell you, I was one of the few assistants, I got on him hard, you know, and at times Anthony probably didn't like me a lot, you know. <laughs> but I know this, when Coach said we had an opening, I said, here's somebody you got to look at because I love him, you know. And it's those relationships, and I still shake my head sometimes. And, you know, I think somebody told me, one of my daughters keeps track of the number of NBA players I had. She, I just had a boy this week get called up that was played for me at Tulane. She said it's, she said it was, I, it was either 16 or seven, I remember what she said, 17 kids in the NBA. I'm a small country bumpkin and I've been blessed <laughs> to coach 16, 17 NBA guys. And yeah, so, that's incredible. Yeah, so I've been lucky, but you know, even when I get with like a laugh, like the guys when Dwayne was here, they're like, you know, Dwayne Turner, he's, hey, I didn't like coach at the beginning either, because he was hard <laughs> on me. And they're still just kids and they're wonderful. You know what I'm more proud of? You take all those guys, 
that are incredible. Like Dwayne is an incredible father. Mm-hmm. And he's, forget basketball, he's a 10 times, he is an incredible dad. He's an incredible businessman. Yeah. And what he, and that's what I'm proud of those guys for, you know. And uh, and the joys of coaching. I'll give you an example. A former manager of mine called me the other day. He's in coaching right now, and he's in the dark days of coaching. Yeah. You know, he goes, Coach, I need to pick me up. You know, and I talked to him for an hour, and I got a call from his wife today, and she said, you really helped him. And those are the real, that's the fun of it. Yeah, that's where the real joy comes yeah. from, I'm sure. No, no, no question. Yeah, and even the guys, you know, there's so many players that you've coached over this time, even the guys that don't make it to the NBA, just keeping those relationships, I have to imagine, is something that, that's really oh, gratifying. It is, and, you know, you get a phone call from them. You know, I got a, a text this week when I was playing over in Europe, and he wants to get into coaching, you know, and so now I'm going to do everything I can to get him into coaching. That's the fun of it, you yeah. know, and no, and that's why you coach. You know, there's enough – you know, trust me, there's a lot of great things in coaching. There's also a lot of days you're at home, you know, by yourself or on the road by mm-hmm. yourself. I mean, there, like all jobs, there's some negatives to it. But I don't know another job in the world where you can impact lives. You know, there's an old saying, a coach will impact more people in a year than most people do in 20. And yeah. we're very lucky that way to get to do that. Yeah, no question. And uh, you mentioned the, the travel, and that can obviously be pretty daunting. Uh, you know, the season, certain times you're on the road for long periods of time, and for a coach, it's even more so, you know, just as a broadcaster. Yeah. It feels like a lot just going with a regular schedule. But on top of that, you, you know, past couple of weeks, you're off recruiting right after right. we get back home. So it's even more extreme for you. How do you balance that and, and you know, yeah. the season schedule and going out to recruit at the same time? Yeah, you know, balance. If you're a coach, you never have balance. I get that, <laughs> you know. But I always like, you know, like all of us, there's days you go, oh, I'm tired or this or that. And I always just think back to my father. I mean, my father was literally a pig farmer. I mean, and every morning at 5.30 he was up scraping pig manure, you know. And I'm going to gripe because I'm jumping on a flight to Canada to see a kid play. I mean, you know, I got no gripe there. Put it in perspective. Yeah, (laughs) you know, and so... Uh, so I enjoy, you know, I, I'm crazy. I, I don't mind traveling, you know. And also, when I grew up in coaching, like when I first started, I was at a junior college and I was in Northern Illinois. It was nothing to have to drive six hours, eight hours, watch a game, and drive back and literally stick your head out the window to keep from falling asleep. <laughs> this was before Red Bull. This was before any of that. You know, and you'd drink coffee, but you didn't want to drink too much because you didn't want to stop and go to the bathroom. And you'd literally hang your head out the window. You and so. You know, so now life, you get some flights. Yeah, of life's a lot drives. easier. <laughs> you know, and so, and what I like about it too, you go back to relationships. Like I was just out east and last weekend for recruiting for four days, and I met two or three coaches that are amazing people. Yeah. Just them, um, they taught me, and it was like I came back on a high of just being around them. One of them's a legendary coach, and so like I told one of them, he goes, "You never seem to have a bad day." I go, "Coach." I'm getting paid to sit here and watch you coach a practice. Are you kidding me? You know, yeah. and so yeah, the travel—it's cumbersome. You know, at times, you know, I've spent a lot of red eye. I probably slept more in the plane over the last month than I have in my bed. Yeah, you know, and that's not always easy. Your neck gets sore, this sore, headaches. You know, but you know, it's sure. I always, I always tease. I tease to tell young coaches that beats working for a living. My dad did that. <laughs> I don't have to do that. Yeah, you get to just, as you said, be part of basketball and coaching yeah. young men. So that's. Uh, as you said, the advantages you know, are all there. The only negative to it, to me, and it's not for me, but it's hard for my family. It's hard for my daughters. Yeah, They've no had to suffer. You know, they have to sacrifice to, and I'll never forget that, but they have to sacrifice. My parents never got to see me coach a lot. They're gone now, but they sacrificed. So a lot of my family had to sacrifice so that I get to do what I love. Yeah. That, to me, that's the hard part. But Yeah, no, no, no question about uh, that. And um, 
one thing on the recruiting note, we know how, as you mentioned, how cumbersome the, the travel can be. What's the actual process like going into see practices, going to talk to kids, talk to their parents? Uh, for those that aren't familiar with that process, what's it like and what's your experience with it? Yeah, you know, recruiting, everybody always says, you know, how do you define recruiting? How do you do it? There's no, you know, it's interesting because it's one of the few things, there's no answer. You know, it's kind of like young coaches, how do I get into coaching? There's no set, you know, like if you want to be a banker, you know you can go to study this, do this, do that, and you're probably going to be a banker. You want to be an accountant, follow this, follow this, follow this. You know, if you want to be a pharmaceutical salesman, yeah. here's how you go. You go to this customer, you go to this customer, boom. Well, coaching and recruiting, there's no thing. There's no set path. Every man. school is different. Every recruit is different. Every coach is different. And so the biggest thing, and it all circles back to relationships. Mm -hmm. The relationships tell, you know, Andrew Bogart, I get a call out of the blue. Hey, there's a seven-footer walked in my gym two weeks ago. He's better than anybody here. A month later, he signed. Three years later, he's in the one draft pick. <laughs> you know, and so there's no rhyme or reason. You know, James Bateman should not be at LMU. I mean, there, you think about all the colleges he had to go over to come to LMU. Yeah. You know, and he'd be starters at every one of them. Mm -hmm. And so there's no rhyme or reason. The, the one thing that I think the equalizer, the common denominator to it all is hard work. And one, if you ask me one of the thing, two things I'm proud of in my coaching careers is one, the relationships. And two, if you go to any coach, you go to any uh, that I've coached with or for, you go to any player I've been around, they'll say one thing, you know, Coach Strong may be an idiot, but he works hard. <laughs> You know, and, and that's what you have to do in recruiting. You have to work every day and you got to work at it. And hopefully, through the grace of God, you get a contact or you get something. But hopefully, your work, your evaluation skills, and your grind get your players. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, no question. And you, you alluded to a little bit before, uh, you've had the chance to be part of some really great teams, uh, a couple of Final Four runs. Just as a coach and being there, what was the Final Four like for you? And, and what was that experience like in general? Yeah, you know, it's always interesting. If you're coaching in the Final Four, in a lot of ways it's no different than the week before mm -hmm. because you win on Sunday or Saturday or Sunday, and then you got, like, places I was at, I did most of the scouting. So then I had to scout three teams in seven days. Yeah. And so you're just grinding out a scout, and you're going no sleep, blah, blah, blah. The difference is, and the joy of it is, like, give you an example, at San Antonio, where that's where I played my first Final Four and I was at Utah, I was able to bring my entire brothers, their kids, my mom and dad, yeah. everyone. We had 30 people there. And so you, it gets, you get to bring people and enjoy it. And that's the fun of it. And you get to see your kids. Like your, it's, a, it, you know, it's like I always tell people it's like this. Like we start a preseason, you know, and we had a nice Georgetown, da, da, da. Then you go to the conference season, the, the intensity, everything's ramped up. Well, mm -hmm. in two weeks, we're getting ready to go to WCC. Yeah. The intensity gets ramped up again. Then you go to the whatever postseason, let's say you go to the NCAA, that first week it's ramped up. You win those first two games and you go to the round of 32, that next week's a whole different intensity. It's that steady progression. Yeah, and then you go to the Final Four and like it hits you. I'll never forget it. At, uh, when I was at Utah, it hit me at practice. You walked out and there's 60,000 people at your practice. Mm -hmm. And it's like it freezes you in your tracks, you get goosebumps. And it almost scares you. Yeah. And you go, oh my goodness, look where I, you know. And so it's incredible. Like it's in a, you know, like if you ask anybody in my family, the greatest thing we ever had in our family was that weekend. They had, a, it was incredible. And so it creates memories that last forever. Yeah, such a unique experience. Yes. And uh, is that something as a coach or the coaching staff in general, where at that moment in particular, where as you said, sixty thousand people just had a practice alone, where 
you kind of have to do the the Hoosiers moment where the rims are still the same. Oh, yeah, no, you got to no, remind yeah. the players to yeah. kind of just focus. Yeah, no in on question. That. And the and the schools where I've been at, you know, it's no different. We are at LM, you know at LMU. We have to grind. We have to work. We have to find the unhidden, and we have to build it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not. You know, we didn't have all Americans. We didn't even at Utah Marquette. We didn't have those guys. Yeah, they ended up being, but they sure weren't coming in. They, uh, Coach Madras used to have a famous line. He said, "We have guys who eat at McDonald's. That's the only thing we have, <laughs> you know. And when they leave, they're McDonald's. You know, they're American, all Americans. And so, that made it even special because now you, you know, Utah in the final four ain't supposed to be there. Marquette, no, mm-hmm. you know, uh, LMU, we're not supposed to win. Everybody, you know, that is, well, we're going to. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so that's the, that makes it even sweeter, and makes it even more joy. But it also gives you that moment where you go, oh my goodness, we're here." Yeah. So that was, that was pretty special. That is really cool. And we mentioned just kind of the, the building of this program. Uh, of course, LMU has the, the, the great history from the late 80s and early 90s with the Bo Kimball, Hank Gathers teams. Uh, this, you know, as you mentioned, looking forward to postseason for the first time since 2011. What would that mean just to kind of build that back up to let, let the country know that LMU is back as a program and going right. to be, uh, you know, a perennial contender? Yeah, it would, it would be special. It would be special for me personally for one reason. It's because of Coach Dunlap. Mm-hmm. He came here and and has not taken – you know, it's easy to take shortcuts and short steps, and he's not done that. And he has rebuilt every facet of this program. You go through it from, from academically to recruiting to every – to the way the guys act to locker room to – I mean, you go through it. We could keep going A to Z. Yeah. And he's not taking a shortcut. He's not taking the easy way out. He's not taking bad character kids. I would match our kids' character and integrity to anybody in the country. Yeah, I can attest to that Yeah, as well. and you know that. You travel with them. And that's not easy to do in today's world. And he's done that. And so I, that would make to see him be able to, uh, and he will, you know, and when that happens, to see someone you love that much get that and be the leader of that's pretty special. Yeah, and, and right now the really the – perennial team in the conference of course is Gonzaga who's number one in the country uh, they really haven't been tested in conference much outside of recently when you guys really took them yeah. down to the wire of course the you don't want to go on any moral victories but the, the fact that you were able to test that team pretty much down to the final couple minutes how much of a just a stepping stone for the players confidence going forward was that moment where national tv game sure. and you know you're leading with eight minutes to go it's a two-point game with four right. to know that you can play with teams of that caliber yeah, you know, I think it's great for our kids' confidence. You know, from a coaching standpoint, not so great because mm-hmm. you, this program is to the level now where we expect to win those. I was going to say, yeah. You, you. Yeah, I mean, and, that, you know, and like friends of mine, that like it's amazing when you have games like that, you hear from your, your real friends. Yeah. And I heard from five or six of them, and they said, Jeff, you haven't been this down in a long time. And it's because as a coach, we're ready to do that. Yeah. You know, and so – People have been great around here, the fans, the people, hey, you know, your kids played so hard, you know, da, da, da. But as a coach, it just, it, to be honest, it ripped your guts out. You want the ne- that next yeah, step of you know, win. Yeah. But I think it, you know, it helped our kids a lot. It helped, I think, a lot of people, fans, everybody go, wow, that team's pretty good. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, but as a coach, it just ripped your guts out. I'll be honest, mm-hmm. I mean, to be frank with you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, luckily, as you said, there's there's more time in the season and could potentially see them again yeah. uh, in, in, La, in Las Vegas. Uh, Coach, before we let you go, just some tie up some notes on the team. Uh, just the defense has been so incredible this year. Number one in terms of 
scoring defense in the conference near the the top 15 in the country what's led to this group being that good on the deep on that side of the floor yeah well i think you know it all starts with coach i mean you know every year as a coach when the season gets done you know you really you know everybody i always laugh my, my mom used to laugh about it. Everybody thinks, well, what's Jeff doing now in the offseason? They think we just chill out and hang out and <laughs> go to the all, beach. Yeah. And, and it's actually more busy in some ways than not. And so you really have to evaluate, okay, what were we good at? What do we got to get better at? You know, how do we make the players better, this and that? And, you know, one of the things is we did that and really coach directed it all and coach did it all. I mean, you came back and said, we got to get better defensively. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, and I go back to – many minutes ago talked about whether it's recruiting or whatever work ethic and so from the minute we stepped onto the floor last summer all the way to australia all the way to the fall way to october november december january today uh today's probably the least amount we've worked on defense and it was probably 60 percent defense 40 offense <laughs> and it's just been we're going to dig in and we're going to work at it and we're going to become good at it and but all that you can throw out the window if you don't have kids who buy in yeah and our kids have you know, and then I think they saw early, whether it be UNLV, whether it be Georgetown, I mean, good teams, really good teams, yeah. were struggling to score. I mean, just struggling to get shots. And so then I think the belief came, and quite frankly, it's who we are. It's our image. It's who, you know, the first thing any coach says, it comes that whether it's a friend of mine or a new coach, comes in and goes, guy, you guys really defend. Yeah. Gosh, you guys. And what a calling card, mm-hmm. you know. No question. Yeah. What I mean, I, you know, that means you're tough. That means you're committed. That means you'll take charges. That means, you know, as a coach, you, you kind of hold your head up high and your chest out strong because you're proud of that. But it still comes back to old-fashioned work. I mean, we have worked at it and worked at it and worked at it, and we'll still do it till the day they tell us we can't play another second this year. Yeah. And, Coach, I know you have, uh, from just traveling on the road and hanging out with you guys, you have so many – Incredible stories from coaching. Is there any one you can tell here before we let you go that, um, whether it be your time at Utah, yeah. Marquette here, that, yeah. that stands out? You know the one that always still blows me, my mind, and blows me away? I'll never forget this. I'm sitting in my office at Utah, and I hear a knock on my door, and I turn around, and I turn around, and the Dalai Lama is standing in my doorway. <laughs> The Dalai Lama. <laughs> yeah, not the name I was expecting. Yeah, to say and, right now, so. and he was there. They were having a big speech thing at our, you know, big, you know, whatever. And one of our big boosters was bringing him around because he was he, he loved our basketball team. It was introducing him to the coaches. And that moment's a moment in my life. I'll never, I mean, I turned around. I'm, you know, I don't know who it is. And it's <laughs> like literally the Dalai Lama. And he goes, hi, Jeff, how are you? And, I'm, <laughs> and you know, I'm a small country bumpkin from Illinois, and the, and the Dalai Lama said my name, you yeah. know? And so, I mean, there's a lot of other moments I could tell you and all that and that, but that was the one moment which I'll, I, I'll never forget. I don't know why, but it was like there, the chances of Jeff Strom meeting Dalai Lama are like slim and none. Yeah. <laughs> and there he was in my doorway. Yeah, that, that's very cool. And. Uh, I got to say, one of my cooler moments, um, you know, traveling with the team over these past seven years was due in large part to your connection to Utah. We got to visit the uh, the cancer hospital last uh-huh. year, and I know you're a big part of that. So just, you know, that's something that, you know, might not be known out there a lot, but just, you know, the team going to visit and, and raise the spirits of some patients there it was a really cool moment. Oh, yeah. See. You know, and that's all driven by coach, but the, that's just the tip of the iceberg of things. You know, we go down to... Uh, uh, midnight mission mm-hmm. a lot and serve meals and the community service that coach has our guys do and, and we're fortunate as staff to be a part of it is incredible you know 
and it, it obviously humbles you up and makes you appreciate it but it's just it's life-changing yeah you know it's like we always laugh when we come back from midnight mission of serving meals and everything we don't hear much gripe about the food for a good two three weeks <laughs> yeah. you know you, you realize you're pretty fortunate yeah, you know no and, and mr huntsman who mr huntsman might be you know i've been blessed in my life to meet a lot of rich people for some reason rich people in sports seem to go together <laughs> and he you know he's a billionaire he just passed away a year ago and uh he was by he was on he was the chief of staff of president nixon's staff oh, wow. and then he left before all the nonsense but um he was the nicest next to my father the nicest most caring human being i've ever been around and you, if it's you me and him sitting here you would not know who the billionaire was yeah. and you got a glimpse of it just the hospital yeah and that was all driven by him i was there the first day they dug a shovel into the ground and you saw that and you saw it changed our kids lives you yeah know? and so but back to our program we do that so many but we don't do it for publicity and that's why you don't hear a lot about it yeah you know and that's driven by coach but it is incredible yeah no that's that's great and something that i know with knowing you guys and coach will we'll definitely continue in the future jeff uh, just thanks again for taking the time to do this and allowing me to just tag along with you guys and be a part of this. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Well, we appreciate you. I've told you to do what you do by yourself during the games <laughs> is almost impossible, and you do a great job. And what I one thing I do want to say about Jesse is this: is you would not know the difference of, and it's the greatest compliment I can give you, Jesse, is last year to this year. Your support of the team is off the charts, and it's easy to support a team when they're doing well. But to be an announcer and stay positive when it's not going their way. And, you, and I've had a lot of people tell me that this year, that there's really no difference. And that's, that's the greatest compliment I can give you. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that. And like I said, uh, no matter the record, it's always great to be just a part of uh, the team and you know, travel with you guys. So I definitely appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. And we thank Jeff Strom once again for joining us on this most recent edition of the LMU Basketball Podcast. Know that if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us five stars and review really helps us keep growing the show we've had such great support so far so we really appreciate it uh, if you do love the show you can also find us anywhere uh, podcasts are available itunes and apple stitcher google play tune in spotify and iheart you can also find us at believe.com and at believe podcasts you can also find me on twitter at jesse underscore cast go follow all of that and also while you're at believe.com take a look at some of the other shows we have there's Literally anything you want uh, covered in the L.A. area, even some shows about K-pop and Yoka, along with all of your other sports teams. Uh, of course, the the Clippers doing well right now, the Lakers not. Uh, all those things are covered here in the Believe Podcast Network. Go ahead and check those out. Uh, and, of course, continue to follow along with us here. So, again, we thank Jeffrey Strom. No going forward for this week, the LMU Lions in the West Coast Conference Tournament will be in action Friday night versus either Pacific or Pepperdine in their opener. That'll be on KXLU, as always, 6 p.m. on Friday for the Lions. If they are to win in advance, they play again on Saturday at 7 p.m. And if they were to win that one, they'd be back in action on Monday, which would be another 6 p.m. contest. So the Lions will look to keep it going, but of course, one game at a time. Be sure to follow along with us here on, L on the LME Basketball Podcast and follow me on Twitter as well, so you can get all of those updates on how LMU does 
in the West Coast Conference Tournament in the beginning of March Madness. It's going to be a lot of fun, and this Lions team, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, is red hot. These guys are working really hard, uh, along with the coaching staff. We just heard from Jeffrey Strom. He and all the coaches work so hard uh, to get this team prepared, and they all do a fantastic job. So be out there to support this Lions team. They really deserve it. Uh, and that's going to do it for this week's show. So be sure to follow along. We'll talk to you again next week as you listen to the LMU Basketball Podcast here in the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams and our Lions. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.